Assalamu alaikum, this is Muslim Health Talk. What does that mean? Our health has to do with nourishing our body, nourishing our mind, nourishing our soul, and nourishing our heart. And a really great way of doing this is keeping an eye on what the Prophet did and following through his footsteps with things that we learn in today's world as well. Thank you for joining me. Bismillah. Episode number three, how to get your kid to cooperate. Hello there, moms, and thank you for joining me for another Muslim Mom Talk podcast. This is Amina, and I have a question for you today. Have you moms ever had a difficult time or difficult relationship with one of your children where you felt like no matter what you tried, you could not get through to your child, whether you spoke to him about his messy room, um, getting his their homework done, or just going along with the everyday schedule? <laughs> I ask this sarcastically because I've been there and I know we've all had messy situations with our kids where they just don't seem to cooperate cooperate. I felt this way with each and every one of my kids at some point or another and the only thing that saved me is when I stood back and looked at the situation from the outside. And it's not easy because you get in the thick of it and you start to react and like my kids say you get into this rage. Um, Instead of blaming myself and feeling hopeless like many of times, many of the times, or becoming angry with my child and blaming her or him, there are, there just are times uh, like this where sometimes, despite all of the best intentions that I have, and I'm sure the best, the good intentions that my child has on, has on his side, sometimes, no matter what, there can be very difficult situations in our relationship, but we should not allow that to sever our relationship. We need to strive to change it for the better. As a parent and the adult in the relationship, no matter what has been said or what has been done, I must go forward and do everything in my power to save this relationship by reaching out and communicating with my child, by talking to them. It's the only way to get through to talking to Ali or Maryam, really speaking to them and creating an environment where I can try to inspire to change. To change things for the better. As a parent, I need to work hard to find a creative way to communicate with them because Obviously, the approach that I've been using with my child is not working. As my kids get older, they are becoming increasingly uncooperative and uncommunicative. It is our job as parents to inspire them to become their better self, to be a source of knowledge and wisdom for them, to guide them to be successful, to assist our child to shape, mold, and craft their own character. But when we look at the when I look at the parents around today, including myself, this very t- important task seems to be neglected. Our children are left alone at their own demise. And when we finally do they take the time to speak to them, it is usually in short sentences and on emergency topics we feel as if um, we are obligated to cover, like warning them about drugs and alcohol and strangers. From a very young age, We have been brought up where we have been shamed for committing certain acts that were culturally not acceptable. 
Shame was used as a negative word, as if it were a pejorative. This constant shaming made me feel guilty and fearful that it would ruin my name or make my family look bad. But it didn't have anything to do with right and wrong. And because this shaming caused so much emotional harm to us, to me, today as parents we are advised not to shame our children, never to correct them so as to avoid any sort of emotional or behavioral response in our kids. Instead, no matter what kind of a behavior our children have, we are instructed to always make them feel good. But when we allow a child to get away with bad behavior, we are training them to slowly go against their own natural state. Because remember, a child is born on a fitra. All children are born on a fitra. This is the Arabic word which means original disposition or innate nature of the child. We can call it the conscience of a child, his spirit, her soul, their innermost will or their deepest self. The natural state of a child is their fitra. Their fitra makes them compassionate. It makes them caring and gentle and good. Children not only know about goodness, but they feel it with all their being. It comes to them so naturally. But when a child ages and becomes an adult like us, well, we adults need to make a real effort to get in touch with our fitra because we are so distant from our natural state. I know I have to be more careful. I feel more critical. I have fears. I'm more judgmental. And I don't necessarily communicate my needs to others. I don't ask for help. But not children. They are innocent and good. They have natural occurring deterrence to misbehavior. They feel remorse when they have disrespected a person. They feel regret when they have hurt somebody. And they feel really bad when they have harmed anything, even something as small as an ant. So if as parents we allow them to continue to harm or disrespect others, we will be doing a disservice to them. They will stop listening to their inner beings and begin to perform what becomes habitual, what is the norm and accepted way in our society. When our children disrespect their grandparents or they make fun of the neighbor or call the cashier at the register some name, we cannot stand by and ignore it. We need to call them out on it. But how exactly do we approach them? We gently approach them and explain to them what is right from what is wrong. This is not a form of shame. This is parenting. This is guiding them to do good and to leave what is harmful. Shame should not be used as a negative connotation. Shame should only be used in an elevated unseen state, only in terms with our Creator, Allah. When we feel shame before God, when we acknowledge that God can hear all that we have said and sees all that we have done and is aware of all every one of our thoughts, then our conscience makes us feel shame for having to disappoint our Lord with our negative actions. Nurturing this realization deters us from committing displeasing acts in the future. This is the essence of the teachings of our blessed Prophet Muhammad So how exactly do we approach our children when they have disrespected others or harmed them? 
As parents, we are so used to sounding very critical and demeaning. We yell, we command, and we degrade our kids with our words and our facial expressions. Instead, I believe we should do as the Blessed Prophet did. He was always gentle with the children. He never said to Anas who the child who was with him for over a decade, Why did you do this? Why didn't you do that? He never said that, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He turned his entire being to face the person he spoke to. When someone does that to you, you feel really important. He never became angry for himself. He made everyone around him feel as if he loved them the most. There was a Sahaba, and I can't right, right now remember his name. A Sahaba is a companion of the Prophet ﷺ, who asked him, Who is your favorite person, O Messenger of God? And he did this because he thought he was one of the few on the top of the list. And the Prophet, the Blessed Prophet said, Aisha, his wife. The man said, Oh, no, 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 from the men, O, o Messenger of God. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Abuha, his, her father, Abu Bakr. And after asking, you know, the next person, next person, he realized that he wasn't on the top of the list. But what this means is that the Blessed Prophet made everyone feel special. So much so that they thought they were the one, one of the favored beloveds. This should teach us how we should treat at least our children or how we should be with our children. The other night, my family and I were watching the news when my 12-year-old son, Ali, decided to do something very distasteful. He began to bite his toenails. I know, it's, it was really disgusting. You see, Ali is full of energy and has always challenged me ever since he was like one, maybe even younger. When I saw him do this, I felt like I was going to throw up, puke. My usual instantaneous remark would have been, stop that, how disgusting. And sure enough, everyone around me reacted that way. But looking over my computer, I sat there in shock. What do I do? What do I say? You know, it was it was a good thing that it was at the end of the day and I was too exhausted to get up and scream. I was focused just to think. I thought, have I not taught him anything? And the more I thought, the more I just sat there in shock and I realized that Ali is only 12. I mean, he's 12, but he still likes to test me all the time. He knows this is a disgusting and annoying act, which will get everyone's attention, not just mine. That's what he was aiming for, attention, even if it is negative attention. So remember, moms, kids strive on our attention maybe boys more than girls, but kids always want attention. I looked at him and I said in a calm but really serious voice, you know that's not a proper thing to do. It's not befitting of you. And then I just kind of left it at that. 
and went back to work on my computer. But of course, the whole time while I was on my computer, I was itching just to figure out how to speak to him. But I waited. Alhamdulillah, I was patient and I waited. Later on, when everyone was out of the living room and it was just me and Ali, I called him to me and I held him in my arms. And I said, you know something, Ali? I am your mama and I love you very, very much. But I have one simple little question to ask you. In life, what do you think distinguishes a human from animal? And he looked at, down shyly at me and he said, manners and behaviors? And then I gave him a, I pulled him even closer and I gave him a, you know, warmer hug and I whispered and I said, so do you think you should be biting your toenails? And he hugged me right back and he whispered, no. And I told him, I said, I love you, honey. You are a sweet and intelligent boy. I'm so proud of how you have grown. And I have to say, we have not had that nail-biting incident anymore. He hasn't even, you know, brought it up to say, guess what I did last time? Do you remember how funny it was? You see, moms, our children don't have bad behaviors. They're just begging for your attention because you are no longer the parent who's always at home, who's always there for them, or, you know, whenever they need you. And when you actually have the energy to give the attention that they deserve to them, you sometimes, I sometimes, we do it half-heartedly by taking them to the playground or maybe by getting them a treat to eat. But instead of actually spending a few quality moments with them and looking them straight in the face and, and asking them how they are and, and really, really getting close to them and understanding their what's happened during the day and what is really on their mind and what they really, really need, we're usually on the phone. You know, either most of the time we're with them or, you know, we tell ourselves we're with them but we're constantly on our phone or on some other gadget. And that's not really being there for them. And the kids see that. They know, our kids knew, know that we are, they're not the most important person there. And it really bothers them. When we pay attention to them in that way, we really haven't given our child what he, he or she really needs. We certainly haven't reached their innermost self. We all have the external and the internal will. Our internal will is what we want as individuals. The external will is what we want as a result of our surroundings, our social pressure. The internal will is your conscience, your fitra, trying to guide you to what is right. Whenever I see my kids struggle, I try to gently remind them that no matter what has happened, that they are beautiful individuals with pure hearts, kind souls, and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves them. I remind them of their fitra, their internal will, what feels right to them. And I ask them, do you want to respond to the outside influences around you or do you want to develop your own inner strong voice to hold firm to? 
And I'm hoping through this kind of, these kinds of questions, I'm hoping that this will help them to think, ponder, and contemplate before they decide what to say and how to react. To realize that their actions have consequences, not just natural consequences or consequences I have placed for, you know, for them, but consequences from their creator. I'm going to give you another example that happened to my older two boys, um, my older two teenage boys who share a bedroom. When they were really little, I would have this whole celebration, maybe kind of like a party, so I can help them clean and organize their room, their bedroom. It sometimes took a whole weekend because basically I was doing most of the work. I enjoyed it though because I ended up decorating the, their room and placing everything where, where I wanted it so I didn't mind the work and it ended up in the end everything looked wonderful, organized and beautiful. But now as they're older and teens things are a bit different. My boys rooms bedroom is a mess. Books and clothes and their belongings all over the floor. I've realized that the more I remind them of their mess, the messier it looks to me. And contrary to popular belief, they don't pick up their things the more I remind them. It doesn't work that way. So then one day, when it was a really positive day for me, when I was feeling really good, I decided that since they are now physically way bigger than me and it is their room and I would like them to decide how to decorate it and to be responsible of the upkeep. I decided to speak to them as I would a young adult that I cared about. You see, I teach other high school students on the weekends and this really helped because I've learned how to speak to other teenage boys and girls and respecting them and not passing the line of um, constantly talking down to them. So if I want my young adult child to respect me from now on, then I need to be the first one to show him some respect and kindness. So I went to their room and I sat next to my oldest son. And I said, honey, you live in this house. This is your room, this is your private space, and you sleep in here. Do you want to get used to this kind of a mess? Do you want to live like a, in a squalor? Angels do not like filth and messiness. Most people feel the same way. A person's room is a representation of themselves. And as I was speaking to my oldest one, my youngest son, my second son, got up and started picking up his stuff slowly, one at a time. And I thought, wow, it seems to be working. Now, I'm not saying that this kind of talk will make them pick up their room and clean it up right away. It's been another week, and I have yet to see it the way I want it, as clean as I want it and as organized as I want it. But I have to say that they are putting a little bit of an effort because I spoke to them, um, to their innermost self. I try to um, be more respectful and I allowed them to have the time to decide 
how and when they're going to do it. But it only happens when we stop ourselves, when we take ourselves, step back for a minute, think about how we're going to approach it, and wait for a later time to actually approach them, not when we are upset. Subhanallah, Allah be praised. It is really amazing when the tone of your voice, your concerned attitude, your choice of words make a huge difference. You won't always get a positive reaction, but be patient. This may take some time. Just remember, as long as you speak to their inner being, you will get them thinking. Moms out there, speaking to our children should not be a reaction that we make. We need to stop talking down to them or scream at them from across the room. And if we see something we are not pleased with, and we know that a reaction will cause our more problems, we need to keep quiet. Think, wait for a better time to address the issue, and then take it from there. As the adult in the relationship, we need to be calm and understanding. We need to, we were a kid once just like them. And we probably did things just as, you know, kept our room just as bad and spoke back to our parents and maybe even were worse than them. When we are ready to speak to them, we need to sit next to them and we need to speak to their, to their inner soul, their fitra, about their fitra and help them hold on to what is right and what feels good. Now, I know these are just two simple um, incidents, and I'm trying. I'm going to try to continue to implement this kind of con uh, communication with my kids and see how it goes and what the positive reactions or whatever reactions I get. And I'll keep you guys posted and let you know of any other incidents. For joining me, Maliha Mahmoud, on Muslim Health Talk. Please do check us out. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and our website, MuslimHealthTalk.com. Assalamu alaikum 